0: Raising Fierce Daughters. This is Erin Tar of Be the Benchmark, and I am so glad that you've joined me again today as we continue our discussion on Lisa D'Amour's book *Untangled*, addressing the seven—oh gosh, what are they? Uh, the seven transitions into adulthood. Man, it's been a long day already, but I'm glad you're here with me, and I can't wait to get into it. So, let's get started. right moms? Here we go. Untangled. We are on to contending with adult authority. This is strand four of seven. So we are halfway through and man, there is just so much packed into this book. Let me tell you, I was looking for my notes and I'm so excited to share this chapter with you because this is kind of contending with adult authority. It's all about when our girls are pushing back against our rules or what we're saying or what's going on. And she has so much good information in here about why that is. And so the first kind of point that she starts out with is that girls, uh, as they become teenagers, start to, quote-unquote, see behind the curtain. So, of course, you've seen, I hope, I think, The Wizard of Oz and, you know, the Oz is behind the curtain. And that's kind of what she's alluding to in this part of the book is talking about how girls are starting to do what is called abstraction. It's basically where their minds can make inferences about other things in a way that they just couldn't previously, like literally... Psychologically, their brains were not wired to make the same types of inferences and leaps that they are by the time they reach the ages of like 12, 13. And she uses an interesting uh, story to point this out. And she says a 10-year-old, if you told a 10-year-old, hey, somebody threw a phone out the window of a moving car, she says a 10-year-old won't have any idea why that is. They will be befuddled by that. But by the time they're 12 or 13, they can think of a million reasons why someone would throw a phone out of a moving car window. And I remember when I first read this, my daughter, my oldest daughter was maybe nine. This has been probably like three years ago when I first read this book. And I was like, no, surely my daughter, even at the age of nine, would be able to come up with a reason why someone would throw a phone out the out of the car window when, when it was moving. And sure enough, she couldn't. And I was like, what? And so over the years, I have kind of asked her that question over and over to see. And it was right around that, you know, 11 uh, to 12 years old that she started to like really be able to think about things in a new way and make inferences. And the issue with this is that they start to make inferences about us. And about our rules and the things that we say and they've come to find out that sometimes our rules are hypocritical or nonsensical or just downright self-serving and it's true I mean if sometimes if you think about the rules that we put down in our house some of them are totally for their safety and totally with good reason but others of them she gives the example of her daughter started to write something on the back of her hand to remind herself and she's like get a piece of paper and then she kind of paused and she's like okay, if I really think about this, there are lots of good reasons to write something on the back of your hand to remember it. And, you know, a few that are not so good as to why you shouldn't write on the back of your hand, at least that she could think of. So she was like, that was just kind of a nonsensical rule or a rule that was just more my preference. And so she talks about what are the rules in your house that are your preference rules? And what are the rules that are like laws that like need to be followed and why? And that might be something that as adults, we need to think through as they're getting older because they're certainly going to be thinking through them. And she encourages us, she just says, you know, give your daughters this opportunity to practice assertiveness on you. And what that looks like in my house, I'll tell you, is when someone gets very upset about something, me helping, giving them scripts of things that they can say to communicate their feelings in a healthy way. And she does tons of that in this book. If you read this book, I can't give you all of them, but they're so good. Where she gives examples of ways that teenagers might act, and trust me, she's worked with a lot of teenagers, so she knows, and then how you as an adult can respond in a way that is both clearly setting a boundary as well as supporting their feelings as well as giving them an avenue for correcting the behavior that is unacceptable so um but she says like don't shy away from giving them the opportunity to be assertive not aggressive towards you but assertive with what she thinks about your rule and why she might not think it's fair and etc etc and so she basically says this is the end of the because I said so line if you continue to use because I said so as they're adults like that is your choice but in in reality that's not really going to set you up for a great relationship with your daughter is basically what she's saying and so here are kind of the three options that she gives instead of because because I said so one might be a fuller explanation of why that rule is in place for your family. Because every family is going to have different rules and different values and different things. Even if it is your preference of how something is done, there might be a real reason. And before it was enough to say, when we come home, we put our shoes in the shoe box. Um, that's what we call it in our house, a shoe box. It's more like a shoe storage bin, but like it's not a literal like paper shoe box. But anyway, um, that might be the rule for your family and... They just did it as a kid or, I mean, you maybe had to bug them about it, but they didn't question the rule. They just sometimes always didn't follow the rule. Now they're going to start, as they go into that preteen teen teen years, they're going to start to question the rule itself. Well, why do I have to? What's the big deal if I line my shoes up against the wall versus putting them in the box? Like, does it really matter? And so maybe giving a fuller explanation about the germs in your home or people coming over and tripping over them or who knows, you know what I mean? Whatever it is for your family, maybe a fuller explanation is what you give. The second thing that she says instead of a fuller explanation might be that you negotiate. So in this specific example that I'm using right now, having to do with shoes, I use this example a lot. I think it's something that really bugs me. Um, Even though I don't talk about it with my family a lot, every time I'm on a podcast or something, I do talk about shoes being left out. Anyway, um... Negotiate with them. So maybe it's not your shoes need to be in the shoebox as soon as you come home But maybe before you go to bed all the shoes need to be in the shoebox Would that be fair enough that like I'm not asking you to do something immediately But I'm asking you to do something within a certain time frame So that might be a negotiation back and forth that you can have and the third thing that she says that might happen with your rules is that Sometimes occasionally you might just see her point. You might just be like, you know what I see where you're coming from like yes, let's just line your shoes up against the wall. You change for X, Y, and Z. Sometimes you go out in flip-flops for swimming and sometimes you come back for running and other times you're wearing those. And you know what? As you know, Maybe it's fine for you to have three pairs of shoes right by the door. And as long as they're neatly put there, it's not a big deal. I don't know. Like You have to decide that as a parent. But those are kind of your three options instead of just saying, because I said so. So that's what her recommendation is. But she also says that, you know, part of the reason that this is happening is because our girls are going to test the adults that are closest to us. That's the to them. That's what they need to do. That's what they are here for. And a lot of times if they can't get the friction that they want from a relationship, they're going to ramp up the um, the things that they do to try and see where is the boundary? Where is the place where somebody's going to tell me no or somebody's going to cut it off so that I can feel safe? Because boundaries, ultimately, if you haven't read Henry Cloud's Boundaries book, um, boundaries ultimately make us feel safe. They let us know that someone is watching, someone cares, someone is looking out for our best interests. And that doesn't mean they're not going to break the rules sometimes, but they feel better that there at least is a rule that they're breaking. And maybe if the rule, one example she gives is something about um, a girl wearing red lipstick and like her mom doesn't want her to, but she doesn't, make it a rule and then the girl continues to like ramp up her behavior like first it's lipstick then it's like tons of like really thick makeup then it's like sexy clothes like she keeps ramping up waiting for her mom to like push the line and say no this is where the line is she's like whereas if when she first brought out the bright red lipstick which I'm partial to bright little lipstick so I can't really talk but um once she brought that out and she knew her mom didn't like it if her mom had said hey we're not, that's not what we're going to do. We're not going to wear this, this lipstick. This is, you know, kind of a limit for our family and, and discuss that. Then maybe when she leaves the house and puts the bright red lipstick on anyway, she feels like she's breaking the rule, but that's where it ends for her. She doesn't feel like she needs to escalate her behavior to finally push her mom to like make a hard and fast rule. So it's weird sometimes, I think, for families to think about. Um, but if you've done any work with boundaries, you know, Kids feel better with boundaries, they feel safer with boundaries, they need boundaries. Um, But we're also still gonna have to use some of those other discussion skills like the explanations and the negotiations as we set these boundaries. They're transitioning to adulthood. That's what we have to remember about each of these strands. They're going from childhood to adulthood. And ultimately what we want is a highly functioning, emotionally intelligent adult. And that's kind of the next step that she starts to talk about is building their emotional intelligence because here's the thing teenagers um at that at this stage in life teens take more risks than at any other stage in their life that is proven out um time and time again through different studies uh across the board the funny thing about these teens taking these risks though because they're thinking a lot through what they're doing but what they're thinking about is not getting caught they're not always thinking about the true consequences that could result from their behavior. They're thinking about the consequences that their parents will give them if they get caught. They're not always thinking about the 17, like possibly traumatic and horrible things that could happen um, if they don't get caught, but the worst case scenario does occur. And so sometimes she just talks about uh, talking through those with the kids and helping, helping them to reflect on those things especially when they're telling us or when we're hearing about other people's risky behaviors. It's a perfect time to not, like, pass a lot of judgment, but to talk about, like, ooh, these are all the things that could have resulted from that, you know, situation. So that's unfortunate that they took that risk, and I'm glad none of those things happened. But that helps the teen to start thinking about it's not just about getting caught. And if we give them, you know, that grace and that understanding of, like, um... We understand that this is a time that you're going to want to take more risks, but we really need you to think about the true issues, not just about, you know, the punishment per se that you might get if you get caught. Um, But ultimately, she says, what we want to do to help them contend with adult authority is help them to develop emotional intelligence. And the best way, basically what emotional intelligence is, is the ability to reflect on our own thoughts and feelings and actions, and then also the ability to recognize that other people have different and complex thoughts, feelings, and actions. So it's both recognizing our own and thinking about those, and then recognizing that other people have that same thing and being able to kind of uh, put yourself in their shoes. And unfortunately, as a teen, as we talked about in the harnessing emotions chapter, a lot of times their emotions override their good judgment. And the best thing that we can do to help them kick back in that good judgment, which they do have, they just struggle to use sometimes, is to problem solve with them, to work through conflict, meaning that if you have a blow-up with your daughter, you don't just wait for the peace to come again. You need to kind of mine for that um, conflict again and say, hey, when this happened, what were you thinking? Here's what I was thinking. Here's what I was feeling. What were you feeling? And kind of helping them work through that process to build the emotional intelligence because guess what, the way we build emotional intelligence is through conflict. We do not build emotional intelligence in times of peace. And it's unfortunate, but it's not the conflict itself that builds the emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence, it's the path towards resolution. And so we, as the adult in the situation, need to help them with that path towards resolution until they can start to naturally do it themselves. And here's why it's so important every adult relationship that they have, how good that relationship is, is very dependent on their level of emotional intelligence, their level of understanding what they feel, what they think, how they're acting, what they deserve in a relationship, what other people are thinking and feeling and acting, and what they deserve in a relationship, and how that goes back and forth. And she ultimately comes to, I'm I'm wrapping it up here, one of the things that she says, the best way to help them develop this emotional intelligence outside of the conflict that we have through with them and working through that conflict, which is so necessary and so helpful ultimately, is admitting our own crazy spots. Crazy spots is what she calls them. So you and I both know if we're at all self-actualized, if we have any level of emotional intelligence, that there are things that just really bug us or really get on our nerves or that we're really not good at handling. Like we have places where we are just not good at that. Admitting it to our daughters, trying to help them understand why we're that way and it's not necessarily them. Like there are things that, there are rules that we will make for our daughters that have nothing to do with them. They have everything to do with us and how we were raised or our own insecurities or our own, drama or trauma from the past. And the more that we can help girls see that, cause they already see our crazy spots, they know. We're not telling them anything new. We're just admitting it. We're being humble enough to admit it and talk it through with them and be humble and honest. And that helps them to both understand we're not using our crazy spots to try and be jerks against them. This is just how we're still dealing with and growing emotionally. And then as they see us do that, and as they see us with that humility, then they are then able to, as they get older, figure out where other adults' crazy spots might be and kind of try to infer, not to try and diagnose people, (laughs) but to recognize like a lot of times when people are doing things, most of the time, it's not about your daughter, it's about the other person. And so then they just have to figure out, okay, how do I work within the situation given that this person is not acting this way because of me and it's not my fault and it's not something for me to fix. It's just something that that person's dealing with. So that is the big and small of contending with adults. Um, Is that what it's called? Contending with adult authority. I was like, I know I was missing a word. Contending with adult authority. It's a big one, guys. It's a big one. That was uh, strand number four and we're headed into strand number five. Uh, In a little bit, so I hope that you'll stick around and I hope that this is helping so can't wait to hear from you Hope you're having a great week There you have it contending with adult authority and just like that we're over halfway through the seven strands to transitioning to adulthood Strand number five coming up next is planning for the future. So you won't want to miss that one as we continue to talk about how our fierce girls are choosing their thoughts, creating their life and changing the world and how we as fierce moms can really support them as much as possible. So I hope you'll tune in next time. Go out yourself and choose your thoughts, create your life and change the world. I am looking forward to seeing how you do it.